0: chapter twenty nine of rose mather a tale by mary jane holmes this librivox recording is in the public domain twenty nine the heroine of the mountain of the three captives will mather jimmy and tom the latter had suffered the least as a prisoner of war a strong freemason he had found friends at columbia were chanced through in his way a near relation of his dead wife and a former classmate though firmly believing in the southern cause joe haskell from the first befriended captain carleton whom he finally helped to escape giving him money and so far as he was able directions were to go and whom to ask for aid tom's imprisonment had been of short duration and thus it was with vigor unimpaired and spirits unbroken that he found himself free on that very night when will mather lay sleeping in the cave among the mountains of tennessee but that refuge of safety was many many miles away and tom's route to the land of freedom was a longer and far more dangerous one than will's had been still tom had in his favor health and strength together with a knack of passing himself off as a southerner whenever an opportunity was presented and so for a week or more he proceeded with comparatively little trouble but at the end of that time dangers and difficulties beset him at every step while more than once death or recapture stared him in the face either from the close proximity of his pursuers or the pertinacity of the bloodhounds which were set upon his track escape at times seemed impossible and tom's courage and strength were beginning to give way when one night toward the last of june he found himself in a negro cabin and an occupant of a bed whose covering though impregnated with the peculiar odor of the sable-hued faces around him seemed the very embodiment of sweetness and cleanliness to the tired and footsore man who nearly all his life has slept in the finest linen with lace or silken hangings about his bed for linen now there was a ragged quilt and the bed was festooned with cobwebs while from the blackened rafters hung bundles of herbs and strings of peppers alternated here and there with the grimy articles of clothing which old hetty had washed that day for her own boys and in consequence of the rain had hung in her cabin to dry coarse heavy shirts they were but tom as he watched them drying on the pole fell to coveting the uncouth things and thought how soft and nice they would feel on his rough flesh then he thought of home and rose and wondered what she would say could she look in upon him in that negro hut with all those stalwart boys sitting by while hetty their mother cooked the corn-cake and fried the slice of bacon for supper two sat just where tom could see them while the third was near the door keeping a constant watch on the circuitous path leading from the cabin to a large dwelling on the knoll marsher's house where to-night a number of young people were assembled in honour of the return of the son and heir lieutenant arthur who had been in so many battles and had a taste of prison life at the north though bitterly opposed to the unionists arthur was truthful almost to a fault as some of his auditors thought to whom he was recounting the incidents of his prison life comfortable beds decent bread well-cooked meat with plenty of pure air and water he had received from the hands of his enemies and once when for a few days he was sick he had been fed with toast and jelly and tea quite as good as Hetty could make he said and while he talked more than one present thought of the southern prisons where so many men were dying from starvation and neglect and one young girl's eyes flashed angrily and her nostrils quivered with passion as she burst out with the exclamation that's the story most of our prisoners tell when they come back to us think you a like report would be carried north if the poor wretches ever lived to get there i think it's a shame to allow such suffering in our midst this speech which had in it the ring of unionism did not startle the hearers as much as might be expected they were accustomed to maude de vere's outspoken way and they knew that when she first came among them she was on the federal side and had opposed the secession movement with all the force of her girl nature as yet no harm had been threatened her for maude was one to whom all paid deference and her clear arguments touching the right of secession had done much toward keeping alive a feeling of humanity for our prisoners in the family where for months she had been a guest squire turnbridge or judge as he was frequently called was her near relative and as his only daughter had died only two years before and he was very lonely in his great house he had invited maude to visit him and insisted upon her staying as long as possible at first he had laughed at her yankee preferences but when the deaths at salisbury and andersonville increased so fast he shook his head sadly and protested against the cruelty and neglect of the government he did not believe in killing men by inches he said better shoot them at once and still he would not willingly have harbored a runaway on his premises for fear of the odium which would attach to him if the fact were known and so when late that night while tom lay sleeping in hetty's cabin and hetty up at the big house was waiting upon the guests and making secret signs to Maud de vere there came a band of men into the yard in pursuit of an escaped yankee the squire roused at once saying that no one could possibly be hidden on his plantation unless the blacks had secreted him the negro houses were closed by they could look for themselves he had supposed his servants loyal but there was no telling in these perilous times and the old man's face flushed as his southern blood fired his zeal for the southern cause in her evening dress of white with her bands of glossy black hair bound like a coronet around her regal brow maude de vere stood leaning upon the piano her eyes shining like burning coals and her lips slightly parted as she listened to the conversation and then darted an anxious glance toward the spot where hetty had been standing a moment before but hetty had disappeared and under cover of darkness was running and rolling and slipping down the steep wet path which led to her cabin door arrived there she seized the sleeping tom by the arm and exclaimed wake up mas'r for de dear lord's sake de secessioner is come and will be here in a minute i'm mighty afraid even miss Maud can't save you tom was awake in a moment and fully alive to the danger of his condition from the house on the knoll he could hear the excited voices of his pursuers and the sound made every pulse throb with fear tell me what to do he said and hetty replied kin you bar smotherin for a spell if you kin get under de old straw tick and lie right still and flat and you hal buckle into mas'r's place as if twas you who've been lying here all the time tom did not hesitate a moment and had just straightened himself under the straw bed and drawn a long breath as he felt harry's body settling down above him when steps were heard coming down the path and a young man's voice asked of hetty if she had any strangers there any yankees you know because if you have-the young man paused a moment and peered down into the night to make sure that no one was listening then in a whisper he added keep them safe and remember fleetfoot knows all the passes of the mountains between here and tennessee a suppressed thank god might almost have been heard beneath the straw bed while old hetty exclaimed the lord bless my Sir arthur and miss maude too i know it is her doin's and hetty was right for tom carleton owed his escape from that great peril to maude de vere rather than to lieutenant arthur When the order was given to search the negro quarters, Arthur had seen that in Maud's face which constrained him to follow her when she beckoned him to come out upon the piazza. Arthur, she said, putting her lips to his ear, remember the kind treatment you received from your enemies and be merciful. Don't let them find him, for there is a Yankee soldier down in Hetty's cabin. She told me tonight. Search her house yourself. Throw them off the track. Anything to mislead them. Be merciful do it arthur for my sake always beautiful maude de vere was dazzlingly so now as she stood before the young officer pleading for tom carleton and arthur turnbridge was more influenced by her beauty than by any party feelings assuming a fierce determined manner he went back to the pursuers and said it's perfectly preposterous that one of those unionists should come here for protection when it is well known what we are still it may be there's no piece of effrontery they are not capable of i know them well just as i knew every nook and corner of the negro cabins stay here gentlemen and take some refreshment while i search the quarters myself arthur turnbridge wore a lieutenant's uniform he had been in the army from the very first he had fought in many a battle had been prisoner for four months while his father was known to be a staunch secessionist who was ready to sacrifice all he had for the success of the cause he believed to be so just and righteous there could be no cheating in such a family as this and so while maude de vere wore her most winning smile and with her own hands served cake and coffee to the soldiers lieutenant arthur went on his tour of investigation and brought back word that not a trace of a runaway had he found notwithstanding that every cabin on the premises had been visited a savage oath was the answer to this report but something in Maud's eyes kept the soldiers in check and made them tolerably civil as they mounted their horses and with a respectful good-night rode off in an opposite direction with a feeling of security after hearing from hetty of Maud de vere tom came out from his hiding-place and ventured to open the door of the cabin where he stood looking at the big house on the hill from which the guests were just departing he could hear their voices as they said good-night and fancied he would detect the clear well-bred tones of maude de vere in whom he began to feel so deeply interested he could see the flutter of her white dress as she stood against a pillar of the piazza with arthur at her side but her back was toward him and he could only see her well-shaped head which sat so erect and proudly upon her shoulders she was very tall, Tom thought, comparing her with Mary, Annie, and Petite Rose as she walked across the piazza with Arthur, who, from comparison, seemed the shorter of the two, profoundly grateful to her as his probable deliverer. Tom went back into the cabin and began to question Hetty with regard to the young lady, who was she, and where did she live, and how came she so strong a unionist? She's Miss Maud de vere, bred and born in the old North State, somewheres near Tar Run, Aunt hetty said her father was killed at first bull run and then her mother died and she went to live with her uncle off toward tennessee and de hills she's got an awful side of money and heaps of niggers lazy no count critters who jest do nothing from morn till night she and miss nettie Master turnbridge's gal was great friends at school and miss maud was here when she died and has been here by spells ever since young mas'r thinks she mighty nice but dis child don't exactly know what miss ma do think of him reckon he's too short or too sessionary to suit her this was hetty's account of the young lady who at that very moment was listening with a defiant look upon her face to arthur turnbridge's remonstrance against what he termed her treasonable principles they will get you into trouble yet the war is not over as some would have you think the north is greatly divided be warned of me maude and do not run such risks as you do by openly avowing your union sentiments think what it would be to me if harm should befall you maude arthur spoke very gently now while a deep flush mounted to his beardless cheek but met with no reflection from maude de vere's face only her eyes kindled and grew blacker if possible as she listened to him first with scorn when he spoke of treason and then with pity when he spoke of himself and the pain it would cause him if harm should come to her Maud knew very well the nature of the feelings with which her kinsman young arthur turnbridge regarded her at first she had been disposed to laugh at him and his preference for an amazon as she styled herself but arthur had proved by actual measurement that in point of height he excelled her by half an inch while the register showed that in point of age he had the advantage of her by more than four years though maud seemed the elder of the two don't be foolish arthur nor entertain fears for me she said i am not afraid of general lee's entire army nor grant's either for that matter my home at uncle paul's has been beset alternately by either party and i have held a loaded pistol at the heads of both federal and confederate when one was for leading away charlie's favourite horse and the other for coaxing off old lois to cook the company's rations no i am not afraid and if necessary i will guide that poor wretch down in hetty's cabin safely to tennessee arthur's face grew dark at once and he said half angrily maude let that man alone let them all alone it is not womanly for you to evince so much interest in such people for your sake i'll help this one get away but that must be the last and remember it is done for your sake with the expectation of reward do you consent to the terms Maud's nostrils quivered as she drew her tall figure to its full height and answered back i could not prize the love i had to buy no arthur i have told you once that you are only my brother just as nettie was my sister believe me arthur i cannot give you what you ask she spoke gently kindly now for she pitied the young man whose sincerity she did not doubt but whose love she could not return he was not her equal either physically or mentally and the man who won Maud de vere must be one to whom she could look up to as a superior such a one she would make very happy but she would lead arthur a wretched miserable life and she knew it and would save him from herself even though there were many kindly tender feelings in her heart for the young lieutenant she saw that he was angry with her and as further conversation was useless she left him and repaired to her room the windows of which overlooked hetty's cabin and there until daylight the noble girl sat watching lest their unwelcome visitors of the previous night failing to find their victim should return and insist upon another search as Maud de vere said she had held a loaded pistol at the head of both federal and confederate when her uncle was sick and the house was beset one week by one of the belligerent parties and the following week by the other she was afraid of nothing and tom carleton so long as she stood his sentinel had little to fear from his pursuers but she could not ward off the fever which for many days had been lurking in his veins and which was increasing so fast that when the morning came he was too sick to rise and lay moaning with the pain in his eyes and complaining of the heat which in that dark corner of the close cabin and on that sultry summer morning was intolerable mighty poorly with face as red as them flowers in your hair and the veins in his forehead as big as my leg was the word which hetty brought up to maude de vere the next morning and half an hour later maude in her pale buff cambric wrapper with her black hair shining like satin went down to hetty's cabin and stood beside tom carleton he was sleeping for a few moments and the drops of perspiration were standing on his forehead and about his lips he was not worn and emaciated like most of the prisoners and refugees whom maude had seen his complexion though bronzed from exposure had not that peculiar greyish appearance common to so many of the returned prisoners while his forehead was very white and his rich brown hair damp with the perspiration clung about it in the soft round curls so natural to it there was nothing in his personal appearance to awaken sympathy on the score of ill-treatment and yet maude felt strangely drawn toward him guessing with a woman's quick perception that he was somewhat above many whom it had been her privilege to befriend and maude being human did not like him less for that on the contrary she the more readily brushed away the flies which were alighting upon his face and with her own handkerchief wiped the moisture from his brow and then felt his rapid pulse he ought not to stay in this place she said and she was revolving the propriety of boldly asking squire turnbridge if he might be removed to the house when tom awoke and turned wonderingly toward her he knew it was maude de vere and something in her face riveted his attention making him wonder where he had seen somebody very like her you are sick she said to him kindly as he attempted to rise on his elbow and fell back again upon the squalid bed i am afraid you are very sick but you are safe here that is yes i know you are safe none but fiends would betray a sick man she spoke rapidly and tom saw the bright colour deepen in her cheek and her eyes flash with excitement she was very beautiful and tom felt the influence of her beauty and tried to draw the ragged quilt over him so as to hide the coarse grey shirt hetty had given him and which was as unlike the immaculate linen tom carleton was accustomed to wear as it was possible to be you are miss devere i am sure he said and you are very kind I shall not tax your hospitality long. I hope to go on tonight. Don't stay here, Miss Devere. You must be uncomfortable. It's hotter here than in Massachusetts. You are from New England, then? Maud asked, and Tom replied, "From Boston, yes. Your people hate us most of all, I believe." And Tom tried to smile while Maud answered him, "It makes no difference to me whether you are from Maine or Oregon. You are sick and have come to us for succor." i'll do what i can to help you with the last words she was gone her tall lithe figure bending gracefully under the low doorway and the rustle of her fresh clean garments leaving a pleasant sound in tom carleton's ears a sick yankee down in hetty's cabin a boston one at that with his wendell phillips notions and you want me to let him be brought up to this house the house of a southern gentleman who if he hates one of the dogs worse than another hates the massachusetts kind whose women have nothing to do but to write abolition books about our niggers no indeed he shall not come an inch and by the hairy, i'll send for the authorities and have him bundled off to jail before night with his camp fever and his boston airs needn't talk see if i don't do it and i'll have hetty strung up and whipped for harbouring the villain treason under my very nose and a yankee too go away go away i tell you i won't hear you i hate em all for the cussedness there is in em. this was squire turnbridge's reply to maude de vere who had told him of tom carlton and asked permission to have him moved up to the house Nothing daunted, Maud went close up to him, and her beautiful eyes looked straight into his as she said, Think if it was Arthur sick among his enemies. They were kind to him, he says, and remember Nettie too. Had she lived, she would have married a northern man. You liked Robert, and Nettie loved him. For her sake, let this man be brought to the house. He will die there, where it is so close. Serve him right for coming down here to fight us. Wish they were all dead how are you going to get the rascal up that confounded hill can he walk Maud had gained her point and with mrs turnbridge who had a soft kind heart she hastened to make ready a large airy chamber somewhat remote from the rooms occupied by the family and their frequent guests it was not the best room in the house but he would be safer there than elsewhere and Maud made it as inviting as possible by pulling the bed out from the corner to the centre of the room covering the plain stand with a clean white towel and the table with a gaily colored shawl of her own then with hetty and one of hetty's sons she started for the cabin followed by the squire himself since the war began he had not seen a yankee and curiosity as much as anything took him to tom carleton whom he assailed with a string of epithets telling him to see what he'd got by making war on people so much better than himself good enough for you he continued as assisted by hetty and clabe tom tried to walk up the winding path with maud in front and the squire in the rear yes good enough for you if you die like a dog and i dare say you will fevers go hard with you bunker hill chaps clabe you villain you are letting him fall don't you see he hasn't strength to walk carry him you rascal and thus changing the nature of his tirade the squire thrust his cane against tom's back by way of assisting him up the hill he was human if he was not quite consistent and his face was very red and he was very much out of breath when the house was reached at last and tom was comfortably disposed in bed for thunder's sake hetty take that gray niggery thing off from him the squire said pointing to the coarse shirt tom had thought so nice when he exchanged it for his dirty uniform if you women are going to do a thing do it decent arthur's shirts won't fit him, i reckon for arthur ain't bigger than a pint of cider but mine will fetch him one and for gracious sake souse him first in the bathtub he needs it bad for them prison pens ain't none the neatest according to the tell in spite of his aversion to the boston yankees the judge had taken the ordering of this one into his own hands and it was to him that tom owed the refreshing bath which did him so much good and abated the force of the fever which nevertheless ran high for many days during which time maude nursed him as carefully as if he had been her brother arthur was absent when the moving occurred but when he found out that it was done and the yankee was actually an inmate of his father's house he concluded to make the best of it merely remarking that they would be in a pretty mess if the story got out of their harboring a prisoner the judge knew that and in fancy he saw his house burned down and himself perhaps ridden on a rail by his justly incensed neighbors the fear wore upon him terribly until a new idea occurred to him Maud, as everybody knew had long been talking of going back to tennessee and what more natural than for paul haverill to send an escort for her in the person of some cousin or other who was foolish enough to fall sick immediately after his arrival this was a smart thought and as that very day at least a dozen people called at the cedars as the judge called his place so the dozen were told of john camp sick bed upstairs kind of cousin to maud and sent to see her home by her uncle paul right smart chap the judge said feeling amazed at the facility with which he invented falsehoods when once he began been a gorilla there in the mountains and done some tall fightin i reckon this was the judge's story which his auditors believed wondering some of them why the visitor should occupy that back chamber in preference to the handsome rooms in front still they had no suspicion of the truth john camp was accepted as a reality and kind inquiries were made after his welfare as day after day the fever ran its course and maude de vere bent over him bathing his forehead smoothing his pillows and brushing his hair her white fingers insinuating queer fancies into his brain as half unconscious he felt their touch upon his face and saw the soft eyes above him at first arthur had kept aloof from tom but as the latter grew better he yielded to Maud's entreaties and went in to see him feeling intuitively that he was in the presence of a gentleman as well as of a superior he could not dislike him for there was something about tom carleton which disarmed him of all prejudice and many a quiet friendly talk the two had together on the all-absorbing topic of the day he is a splendid fellow if he is a yankee was arthur's mental verdict and fine-looking too finer a hundred times than i and then there crept into his heart a fear lest maud should think as he did and ere he was aware of it he found himself fiercely jealous of one who was at his mercy and whom if he chose he might have removed so easily chapter twenty nine